continuing our series called James, where we have been walking through uh, chapter by chapter through the book of James. And you'll remember uh, a couple weeks ago when we started this out, right, we started in James 1 and we, we compared someone who has real effective faith in Christ, right? Uh, an effective disciple, someone who's fully in the game, who's running the plays for Jesus, and who's making a difference in the world. And we compared an effective disciple to what we called a fair-weather Christian, right? Someone who we said is, is only in the game, right? Only wants to be associated with Jesus when there's pleasure, when it's easy, when there's blessings that they can receive from it, right? And we talked about why it's important for us to be effective disciples Versus fair-weather Christians. The second week, we, we talked about, hey, do we have fake faith or do we have genuine faith? Right? Is the faith that I have in Jesus, is it real? Is it true? And how do I know? Like, what are the signs of if I have genuine faith or if my faith, as James calls it, is fake? And then last week, Nikki spoke. Didn't Nikki do a good job? Yeah, come on. Nikki did a good job. And she talked about... Uh, the, the necessity for us to be able to control our tongue, right? And James says, hey, all of our problems, if we're being honest, go back to the words that we say, right? The fights we get in, the trouble we get in, right? It all goes back to because we said something, we couldn't control our tongue, right? And, and we talked about how our words are really our thoughts coming out. And, and James actually says, hey, if we could control our tongue, we'd probably be perfect, uh, but no one, he says, no one is perfect, right? We know that. No, no one is perfect, but as believers, we want to try our best to follow Jesus. And so tonight, we're going to step in to chapter 4. And as we step into chapter 4, I just want to remind you of something, right? If you don't get anything else tonight, I want you to get this, that the book of James is meant to challenge you, right? You should... After reading a chapter in the book of James, you should leave going, man, I just feel like I'm like I'm messing up. Right? You should, because that is what it's there to. It's there to, to show us where we're messing up so that we can then correct our course, right? So that we can then change the decisions that we're making, change our actions and our thoughts. So that we can, even though, like, listen, we're not gonna be ever be perfect. You will never be perfect. I will never be perfect. And James isn't saying, hey, you have to be perfect. What James is saying is, hey, as believers, as disciples of Jesus, we should be doing everything that we can to live for Christ and live like Christ, right? And so James is challenging us to do that. And so tonight, as we look in chapter 4, we're going to ask the question of, are we self-centered? Are we living a life, is our faith self-centered, or is the life that we're living God-centered? Is God at the center of our life? So I want us to start out, we're going to read a couple passages here at the beginning of the book of James. Uh, we're going to read uh, 4, 1 through 6, and then 11 through 13. It's there on your notes, it'll be on the screen. Follow along with me as we read this. Follow this. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. 
You want only what will give you pleasure. Let's press pause here real quick. Any of you, you have probably experienced at some point someone causing a fight or causing a fight with you because you had something that they wanted. Bless you. Wow. That rivaled the winds of Hurricane Ian. Man. All right. But you, you've probably all experienced a moment when someone was putting you down, maybe, or putting you saw someone else getting put down, or maybe actually you put someone down because you saw something you wanted. You couldn't have it. And so you're like, you know what? I'm just going to cause some gossip. I'm going to cause some drama. Or someone caused that with you. And what James is saying here is honestly like it, God wants to give us the desires of, of our hearts, right? And scripture says, hey, if we go to God and we ask him, he will give us the desires of our hearts. But James points out something really important here, right? He says, your motives have to be right, though, right? He, James, so the people James is writing to, right, they're, they're fighting with other people because they, they want what they can't have. And James says, hey, if you would just ask God, he would give it to you. But catch this, even if you do go ask, you're not going to get it because you only want those things for personal pleasure. It'd be like me going to God saying, hey, God, please give me a million dollars. That's the desire of my heart. God's going to say, guess what? No. He's going to say no, right? Because why do I want a million dollars? For self-pleasure, right? Because I want it. It's not because I want to give it away, most likely. It's, hey, I probably want a million dollars because there's some things that I could really do with a million dollars. And that's a selfish desire. Let's keep reading. He says, you adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I'm going to read that one again. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Catch that. James says that twice there, which means it's important. If you want to live for the world... You're an enemy of God. We've talked about this before, guys. You can't live for the world and also live for Christ. If you live for the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives us grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Skipping down to verse 11, here's what James says. Don't speak evil against each other. Dear brothers and sisters, if you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Right? I think a lot of times we sit here and we ask ourselves, hey, man, I, does this part of scripture really apply to me? Do, do I really have to, to follow this part of scripture? And James says the answer is yes, 100% of the time. Right? We don't get the... The, the choice of choosing whether or not scripture applies to our lives or if we should follow it. James says our job, our job 
is to be obedient. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. All right, so let's dive into this for a minute. All right, so I said that this chapter really poses the question to us of are we living a life that is self-centered or God-centered? So let's ask the first question there. Are you self-centered? Are you self-centered? And, and essentially right here, James is, is calling out Christians. He's calling out you and me, and he's saying, hey, if you claim to follow Christ, but you're living a self-centered life, then you're, you're sinning, right? You're not actually following Christ. Because if you're following Christ, then God has to be at the center of all your decisions, thoughts, actions, everything. So if you claim to follow Christ, but you live a self-centered life, you're not actually following Christ, right? And as we read through these passages, James lists quite a few characteristics of someone who is self-centered. And I think as we go through these, you'll go, yep, that's a self-centered person for sure. Now, this doesn't mean these are the only qualities of someone who's self-centered, but I think this is a really good start for us. So let's look at it. Right, the characteristics of being self-centered. The first characteristic that James points out in verse 2 is jealous. Right, it goes back to it. He's saying, hey, you're causing fights with people. You're, he actually says, you're killing people because you want what they have. You want what, you, you're so jealous of what other people have that you're causing fights and you're actually going to the point that you're killing people. It's crazy. Now, I think we've all struggled with jealousy at different points in our life. I, I know I have. Uh, back when I was in sixth grade, Crocs had just come out. Can you imagine that? Crocs were like brand, yeah, brand new, except we didn't have the white ones yet. Well, let me tell you something. The cool Crocs were not the white Crocs. They were the tan Crocs. Whoa. I know, at least for guys, at least for guys, the cool Crocs were the tan Crocs. And let me tell you something, I didn't have a pair of tan Crocs. And you know what I really wanted? A pair of tan Crocs. Why? Because that was a cool thing. And so I can remember sitting there like comparing myself with other people just trying to find a way to like make myself better than them because I wanted what they had. Maybe on a more serious note, I can remember when my parents got divorced. And I became really jealous of my friends who had parents that stayed together. And maybe some of you, you're in that boat too. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're in a different boat. Where there are things in other people's lives where you look at that and you say, man, that's way better than what I've got. That's way better than my life. Their life is way better than mine. But let me tell you something. They're probably looking at your life. And looking at something completely different going, man, I wish I had what they had. But the reason that we get jealous is because ultimately we're not content. Right? We're not content with what God has given us. Right? There are people all around the world that would look at your life and say, man, I wish I had the life that they have. There are people in Florida right now, millions of people without power, saying, man, I just wish I lived in a house right now that had power on. 
But it all goes back to us not being content with the blessings that God has given us. And when we find ourselves in a place of jealousy, it leads us to do some really mean things. Some really mean things, right? We get jealous of a friend, and all of a sudden we're no longer friends with them, and they don't want to be friends with us because we're gossiping, we're stabbing them in the back. We're doing things we never thought we would do, but we are because we're jealous. And so James says, jealousy is a sign that we are living a self-centered life. We care more about what we have and what we want than other people. And that kind of goes into the second thing that he says that we can tell we're living a self-centered life if our life can be characterized by selfishness. Verses 3 and 13, he dives into that. Right in verse 13, he says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town. And we'll stay there a year, we'll do business, and we'll make a profit. Right, he, James is talking to people who are supposedly following Christ, but their main concern is not sharing the gospel with people. Their main concern is going places that they can just make money. They want to go take advantage of people and just give money. That's all they care about. And once the profit's gone, once the money's gone, they'll move on somewhere else. They don't care about sharing the gospel. They care about money. And there are people today in today's world who are Christians, but they really just want the fame or they really just want popularity, right? And they're using the Bible or they're using Jesus as a platform to gain that. And maybe you know people in your life who are Christians who you would say, hey, you're pretty selfish. But I'd also flip the script and say, hey, could people look at you and say, hey, you're pretty selfish, At the end of the day, right, selfishness is this idea that we really are only looking out for ourselves. You're the only one that matters. You're better than everyone else. And we're just inconsiderate of other people. The third thing that James says in chapter 4, right, the third sign of living a self-centered life is being judgmental. Any of you judged someone before? I bet so. Any of you been judged by someone else before? Probably, right? No one likes to be judged, right? In fact, James says in verse 11, he talks about this, right? He says, don't speak evil against each other. Dear brothers and sisters, if you criticize and judge each other, then you're criticizing and judging God's law. I mean, you're criticizing and judging God if you're judging judging other people, right? We get so judgmental. We, We judge the, the shoes people wear, the way they do their hair, right? The pictures they post on Instagram. And so we sit there and we just judge every little tiny detail of people. Or we could be driving down the road, not know the person driving next to us, and I bet you we could find a way to judge them, right? As, as people, we are judgmental people, right? We look down on others. We criticize others. We, we try to find faults in other people. Why? Because it goes back to being jealous and selfish. We want to find ways to lift ourselves up, but that comes at the expense of putting others down. And I think it all ties into this last thing, right? I, th- I think this last quality is really maybe the foundation of all self-centeredness, and that's pride. Right? Do you live a life that's prideful in verse 6 God says or James says 
that God gives grace to those who are humble, but he opposes those who are proud, meaning God opposes those who are prideful. Guys, the, one of the first sins in the Bible, really the first sin is pride. And it's not with Adam and Eve, right? A lot of times we look at the Bible and we're thinking Adam and Eve, right? That's probably the first sin that occurred in the world. No, really, like if we back it up a little bit, right? Satan's there in the garden, right? He's there as a snake and he's, he's whispering to Adam and Eve. But how did Satan get cast out of heaven? Right, Lucifer, right? Now we know him as Satan. Right, Lucifer was an angel. Right, he was, the, he was the chief worship leader in heaven. And the reason that he gets cast out of heaven is because he's prideful. Because he looks at God and goes, I bet I could be equal to you. I bet I could be equal to you. I bet I could get as many people to follow you or follow me as you have following you. What we see ultimately with all the sin in our lives, right, it can all be tied back to pride, right? Thinking that we are better than others, right? We get jealous, we're selfish, we're judgmental, ultimately because we're prideful and we think that we're better than others. And when we honestly look at these qualities, right, when we think about these qualities, we go, yeah, you know what? If I had a friend whose life was characterized by these qualities, I'd say they're a pretty self-centered person. But here's the question. Would someone describe you as self-centered? That's the question I have to ask myself. Would someone look at Nathan and go, you know what? Nathan is pretty self-centered. Nathan is jealous all the time. He's selfish. He's judgmental. He's prideful. I'm not perfect. I can tell you that. Or, and this is a big or, or would someone look at you and go, you know what? No, this person, they live a life that is God-centered. And so let's dive into the second question of, are we living a life that is God-centered? So when you look at the, the qualities of someone who's self-centered, really, like, here's the cheat code, right? Someone who lives a, a God-centered life lives a complete opposite way. And so a lot of these things are going to be the complete opposite of the qualities that we just talked about. But the key is, is it, when we talk about living a God-centered life, right, we're saying, is God at the center of your thoughts? Is he at the center of your actions? Is he at the center of the words that you speak? And in general, is he just at the center of your life? Right, the, the friendships and the relationships you have, are they built around God? Or is God somewhere standing on the outside? That's the way you can tell right off the bat. If God never comes up in a friendship, right? If you, if you know, hey, I can't talk about God in this friendship, guess what? It's probably a self-centered relationship. It's, it's built around the people in that relationship. It's built around you and the other people. If God is not at the center, it's a self-centered relationship. And we need to get to the place where it's God-centered. So what are the characteristics of living a God-centered life, as James says in chapter 4? First thing that he would say is you live a life that's content, right? It's the opposite of being jealous of other people, right? We recognize the blessings that God has given us, and we say, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the, the selfish side of me may say, hey, I want more. But God, you know what? I'm just thankful for what you've given me. I can look at my life and say, you know what? God has blessed me. 
God has given me a family. God has given me a roof over my head. I can go to church. I can go to school. Right? I can actually get an education. Right? You may hate school, but a lot of people would kill to go to school. Right? We, we live lives that are thankful for what we have and what God has given us. But we also live a life that is humble. Right? We, we realize that we're not perfect. Right? As Christians, right, that, that's key for us. Because if, if we're not humble, if we're prideful, then we have no need for Jesus. Right? But part of realizing that we are in need of Jesus, right? and, and when, the, when the two guys come to get baptized tonight, right? that's at the foundation of their decision. Right? They have humbled themselves, and they've said, hey, you know what? I am not perfect. I need Jesus to save me. I need his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. Because you know what? I'm not perfect. I can't do it on my own. I'm going to humble myself before God. And then when, when we look at the life that Jesus lived, right, it leads us to this next point of, hey, people who are God-centered, sacrifice. If you live a God-centered life, you live a life that is characterized by sacrifice. As, as people who believe in Jesus, right, we want to try to live like Christ. And one of the most foundational things that Jesus did for us was he sacrificed himself on the cross, right? He gave himself up. And he did that frequently. He sacrificed all the time. And so when, when we live our lives, right, are we always just trying to get things for ourselves? Or are we living lives where we're, we're sacrificing for others? Now, I'm not saying that you should always live a life where you always put other people's needs before yours. There are times in your life where your needs do need to come first. That's just true. There are times in your life where you have to put yourself first because that's what's healthy. Right? If you're in a place of, of depression or anxiety, guess what? You need to prioritize yourself and your mental health. You probably don't need to be uh, wasting your energy towards other people because you need that for yourself right now. But there are times in our lives where it's healthier to prioritize other people's needs, right? Do we live lives that serve, right? When we do a, a service day, would we rather stay in our bed because it's convenient to sleep later because we don't want to go do work or do we live a life of service and sacrifice where we say, hey, you know what? This may not be what I want to do, but I will do it. I will do it. Because that's what Jesus calls us to do. And the final thing, right, that James says, and he highlights it in verse 17, and we'll read that. The final characteristic of someone who is God-centered, and it, all, it ties in everything else, is they're obedient. In verse 17, uh, James says something that's pretty, pretty challenging. He says, remember, it is sin. It is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. How many of us know what we should do, but then we don't do it? How many people know that we should be nice to the person next to us? We shouldn't gossip about that person. We shouldn't stab them in the back. We shouldn't judge them, but we just do it anyways. Because that's what's fun. That's what gets us popularity. That, 
That's what's convenient. Right? How, how many of us know we should listen to our parents, but we're like, eh, no, not doing that one tonight. How many of us know, hey, we should, uh, we should probably do our homework, but we're like, eh, nah, not going to do that one tonight either. Right? God says do all things to the best of your ability. And being lazy is not doing things to the best of your ability, student. Okay? Glad we're clear on that. And so at the end of the day, right, our, our actions speak for themselves, right? We have said all throughout this series, actions speak louder than what? Words. Words. Your actions speak louder than anything you say. They speak for themselves. They, they show truly the life that you're living. All we have to do, all you have to do to know whether or not you're living a life that is self-centered or God-centered is look at your actions. Look at the way you treat other people. Look at your priorities. And that'll tell you exactly where you're at. Are, are we following Christ or are we trying to please ourselves in the moment? And students, again, if you, if you take nothing else away, take away this. It's that God-centered Christians, right, Christians who are truly God-centered, they, they try to live a life for Christ, but they also try to live like Christ. You live for Christ in your personal relationship. But then in the way that you act in the world, the way that you act in relationships, the words that you speak, the way you treat other people, you live like Christ through your actions. And maybe some of you tonight, it's tonight's a, a night for you where you say, you know what, I, I have been living a life that is self-centered. And it's time for me to make that change and say, hey, I, I got to live a life that's God-centered. Again, I said these guys tonight that are getting baptized, that's ultimately what they've done. Is they've said, hey, you know what? It, I have to live a life that's God-centered. God has to be at the center of my life because that's what's best for me. Because I need Jesus in my life. And living life the way that I wanted to live isn't cutting it anymore. That's not going to get me eternal life in heaven. Right? There's something greater that I'm living for. And if that's you tonight, I would encourage you to put it on your connect card. Hey, I'm, I'm committing my life to Christ. Right on the back of your prayer card, I need help living a life that's God-centered instead of self-centered. And I promise you, your small group leaders, Nikki, Nicole, Bree, all of our leaders, myself, I can name every single one of our leaders in here, and I guarantee you, if you ask them, hey, would you help me make a change to live a life that's God-centered, go to Tommy or Kyle or Reuben or Rod, Jalen, Catherine. I can't, it's hard for me to see everyone because of the lights. Go to your leader and say, hey, will you help me tonight begin to live a life that is God-centered? I guarantee you they'll say yes. But I, I guarantee you they'll also understand the struggle because guys we we fight this every day every day i wake up and i have to make a choice every day i wake up i have to make a choice i have to look in my mirror every morning and say what's the life nathan's gonna live today and maybe you need to start doing that waking up every morning looking in the mirror saying 
What's the life that I'm going to live today? Am I going to live a life that's all about me? Or am I going to live a life that's centered on God? And I would encourage you that the best life you could live is one that's centered on God. Because when you're centered on God, that's where the blessings come. When you say, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm just going to be obedient and faithful. That's when the promises of God come out. There's nothing you can do on your own. You, you can't go earn the promises. They've already been given. God just says, hey, be obedient and faithful. Just be in a relationship with me. So guys, I'm going to pray for us. But again, if that's you, put it on your connect card. Talk to your small group leaders. Because that's, that's an important decision. Let's pray. God, we're just so thankful for your love and for your mercy. That even though we're selfish people and, and we continuously choose to live for ourselves instead of living for you, God, you forgive us. You show us grace and mercy. You never stop loving us. And God, I know there are students in this room tonight, Lord, who, who, who need to make that change. To say, I'm going to stop living for the world and stop living for myself. And I'm going to live for you. So God, I pray that you would speak to these students, challenge them. And if that's them tonight, Lord, I pray that you would just challenge them to make that change. Give them the courage to go to a leader and say, I got to make a change. Will you pray with me and help me to begin living a life that is God-centered? God, I'm so thankful for your love and the love that you have for these students. And Lord, as we continue to worship, Lord, I pray that you would just continue to, to show us your presence and continue to speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Come on, stand and worship me. Yeah. 